Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. If there's something I need, I don't already have I know I'll get it from a good friend If there's something I need, I don't already have I know I'll get it from a good friend Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Lee Curtis, and you're listening to The Good Friend Podcast, presented to you by iHeartRadio. It's a podcast about friendship. We talk about everything. We cry, we laugh, we think about what it really means to be a good friend. And I have conversations with some of my best friends, some people I've never met, and sort of everything in between. So I hope by the end of it that you have a really good sense of what friendship means to me and the people that I consider friends. And I hope you can take those same ideas into your own friendship groups. And I hope you enjoy it. Good morning, Janice. Hi, my darling girl. How are you? My darling girl, we, we we are well today. My guest for the uninitiated listener is my wonderful friend, Janice Hirsch. Um, This is probably, Janice, the most sort of official uh, intro I have done. That that was sort of it. Um, Okay. (laughs) We've we've sort of rolled into these a bit, but you were so early, darling. Darling, I'm always early, you and I. When I heard you text me this morning, I was still, I was finishing my toilette. Oh my. Yes. Please. Oh. Luckily this is on uh you know audio only or we should yeah. all be wondering about said toilet. Um, and what time did you hear from me? 5:40. Yeah. And I was already I was I had was out of the shower, believe me. I was I was clean. Oh. Well, that's also helpful to know. Yes. Um the earlier guest was our friend Lisa Bernbach. And uh, we did discuss you, and there was a little bit of dollinging in. Dolling. So f- we we may fall into that for the listener. Um, it is our mating song. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what it is. <laughs> it, it somehow <laughs> peels away any artifice between us, even though it sounds artificial. The truth is, when we say dolling. Darling. Darling. Um, it is like a warbling um morning bird going, Hello, are you out there? And then as soon as we hear a darling, we're in. I love that. Um, do you have other friends at 540 in the morning? Or am I in that small not even in New York? 
No, I have no, no. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> you're it, baby girl. You're it. Oh, that laugh. I love your laughs. Well, I mean, you make me laugh. Oh. Um, Janice uh, is a writer. Uh, Janice is a very funny writer. Or how do you, I mean, that's so weird. How do you say that? Do you say you're a comedy writer? Do you write comedy? What, what, how would you describe yourself, Dol? I, I say I'm the world's oldest female sitcom writer. <coughs> that I'm not young per se, but I'm young at heart. Yes, I think, I think you have a very young heart. That's it. Um, so you are a sitcom writer. You write sitcoms. Right. I mean, I, I write other things. I am trying to peddle a memoir that I wrote, and I'm writing another book, and I've written, I've rewritten movies, and I've worked on theater. But I, my house is because I write sitcoms. Yes. I used to refer to uh, the patio as the fish called Wanda patio. Yes. Um, right. <laughs> right. right. Have, it's like naming the temple. It's like naming the, <laughs> the fountain at the temple. Yes, exactly. Well, and for people listening who may not understand what a freelance um, person in the arts is, it's the word freelance, as far as I'm concerned, means unemployed. You know, it's a it's a kind of cushy I way of saying a, that. I consider myself to be like a migrant worker and I go where there are oranges. And so I do I I have in the past, I I I'm sort of not in the business right now, but I have written and produced TV series, and I've never done one from year one to year 12 or whatever, but I've been on, you know, I've written and produced the nanny square pegs was my first one out here but the nanny and fraser and murphy brown which was an extraordinary job and and will and grace and and a lot of things that you've never heard of but that were actually the most fun ever so yeah and you and i met yeah right um we met because we lived in the same building so that's the first question really about friendship which is you know in my experience you you sometimes grow where you're planted. And here we were both planted in this extraordinary building. Why don't you describe, kind of set the stage of where we met and how we met? Um, we met the year I thought I had it made, which was when I, I, I bought a, an apartment in the Colonial House, which was built in the late 20s. It was on the historic register or something. And it was just a fabulous building what was it? Six stories. Yes. Yeah. Six stories and, and walls as, as, you know, as thick as my thighs and, and just, it was <laughs> a fa- Betty Davis lived upstairs and Jamie and Carol Kane lived below me. And it was a, just a, a real amalgam. It was Hollywood. It was, it was an old Hollywood enclave in the middle of West Hollywood um, just south of Sunset Boulevard. Right. And it had great location. It had great history. And we met, I think we just met like at the building. Were we introduced? I'm trying to remember. No, I parked in your parking spot <gasps> on my first day. The, the rule of Hollywood is really <laughs> thou shalt not park in someone else's parking spot. And I was taking the keys for my bill for my first day of my apartment. And I pulled in and they let me in and I pulled in to a spot. I didn't know. And then you pulled in, you had your, did you have a convertible Mustang? I I might just have had. You had a convertible. Yeah. And, and I went, Oh my God, am I in your spot? And you went, yeah, but it's okay. What are you doing? And I told you, and you were so nice to me. Because it really, I, I, it, parking drama is Hollywood drama. And I, because I parked in your spot, you were so kind and nice. And you were still living upstairs on the mm-hmm. top floor in that mm-hmm. great apartment. Mm-hmm. And I was moving on to the second floor. And that's how we met. That was it. It's interesting because when people meet, we, obviously we can't you know, articulate when we're going to meet each other, there is something spectacular when you meet someone, particularly where you're living, and I'm sure people can relate to this, where you go, oh, I've been waiting for you. You know, it felt that way. There was something about our senses of humor. It was simply that feeling when you're living somewhere 
I too was sort of new in the building and Chris and I were, I don't even think, had I met Chris yet? No. I don't know if you'd met Chris, but you certainly weren't living with him. Right. Which happened as you know, so very quickly so yeah. that we would have been living together uh, in the apartment. So yes. So it, it has that lovely, um, meet cute of, you know, two women in a hallway. I'm sure I've borrowed sugar. I'm sure I borrowed sugar. We kept our doors open. We kept our doors open. And it's so, it's so funny to hear you say that because that's how I felt about just meeting you and going, Oh, wow. And I, 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 uh, that I retired what I wore. I retired that sweater because I thought, okay, this, this is as lucky as this sweater is ever going to get me. So I, I don't want to taint it. It's met Jamie in a garage and, and I retired it. It was a pink boat neck. It was really nice. I love this metaphor, though, of keeping the doors open. You know, we I, I unfortunately we live in a society now where that isn't done. It's just the combination of many factors have now required us all to be um, safety first in a, in a, not a good way. Um, and it was a time where you could leave your door open in our building. Uh, obviously there was a security aspect of the building and there was a sweet, uh, older man who sat, <laughs> who sat at the watch, but, but just let's explore that for a second. This idea of keeping your doors open in friendship, what has been your experience about how open and how quickly or why you would close doors on that friendship? That's just interesting to me. I rarely, I have rarely lost a friend. Um, I mean, there's sometimes, you know, when a, when, when a girl friendship just doesn't work and you don't know what's always been, you know, I think every woman has had that. And I certainly have happily not too much, but if I get that vibe, and if somebody's my friend, I don't, would I love to see them a lot? Sure. But I don't need to, to know that they're still my friend. I don't need reassurance. I, I contacted you. We hadn't talked probably in a year or two and I needed help. And I contacted you mm-hmm. and in the split second that you got my text, you were on the case. And that to me is what keeping the doors open. It's not you didn't call me. I didn't, I never see you. Those, if, if somebody calls and says, I never see you, how can you see so-and-so and you don't see me? That's, I close the iron door. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't have that. But just knowing that that friend is there when you need them, that's, that is, what's it for you? That's what it is for me. It's that, it's, it's the ease of it. Um, obviously, yeah. I, I will have explored friendship, you know, after doing 30 interviews with friends talking about friendship. And there are some common themes that are are starting to emerge. And for me, ease uh, is uh, is a is a crucial word because we are all trying to manifest our destiny. Every person listening, every person I'm speaking to, we are all on the hustle. There's no one who is lying around, you know, my mother used to refer to it as um, in the pejorative of those women who would lie around and have grapes peeled for them. Now, was that out of Roman times or something? <laughs> you know, I think it was out of a Marx Brothers movie. I don't know. But right, yes, where someone would be peeling the skin right. off the offending skin off the grape right. so that you would only get the the lovely, juicy meat of the grape, whatever the F it, it meant. Yeah. I don't know those people. I've never met one of those people. I meet hustlers. I meet women who are workers. I meet men who are workers. I once did an event, environmental event, where I was presenting. I think it was a PETA event. And I it was at Paramount and I was presenting. And, you know, I went with Annie and um, she was and continues to be a very committed animal rights activist and women's issue activist. And I remember we showed up and they have, of course, the VIP parking lot. So the thing and we parked and this young woman walked up and she said, hi, I'm your handler because, you know, they assign people 
to escort me, like I couldn't figure right. out where the stage was, right. to the backstage area and then get briefed and then, you know, get you to the stage so you can do your presentation in front of the thousands of people that are there. And of course, the minute she and I started talking, I found out who she was. And she was an emergency. She was a ICU burn nurse in a pediatric burn center um, who was volunteering her time. And I just remember starting to weep. I am a bit of a crier. And I thought, oh, my God, this woman doing this volunteer job takes care of children in a pediatric burn unit all day long and probably was had a family of her own and dishes to do and all the rest of it. So that's what I'm talking about here is I think people are extraordinary. And I think we see that in each other. And I certainly saw that in you. Um, you grew up in Los Angeles? No, I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey. Look at you. Look at me. Look at me, a Trentonian. Mm-hmm. Is, is that where the dolling comes from a little? The dolling it could c- come a little bit. It's it a, little a little New York, a little New it's Jersey. It's a little, it's just a little, as my grandmother would say, J, because she didn't want to say Jewish or Jewy, which was her word. But she would go, he's a little J. It's a little <laughs> J. That was it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And did you from childhood? I mean, you are such an open, I mean, you're leaning in right now. You're yeah, yeah, right, right. I am. Right. You you are. You're a leaner inner. I Were am. you that person from the beginning? I think so. I think I was. You know, I had I had polio when I was 10 months old. So I was, you know, not moving around a lot or whatever, but I never I never heard that word. The word polio was never mentioned in my house. Once I was watching TV and my mother heard the, you know, like the, the early show and my million dollar movie and my mother heard the music and said, what are you watching? And I said, I don't know. It's called Sunrise at Campobello. And she knew it was about Roosevelt when he got polio. And she said, come on, let's go to Corvettes. And she dragged me out of that house. So I never knew that then anything was different. I knew that I observed more. I knew that I ha- I just had to use my presence more than I could use my physical self to be involved with friends and conversation. But I never, I was never other. And, and I think that that's made me somebody who wants to be involved. You know, I want to do what I can't do there, I can do here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not, it, it just makes it more fun. It's just life is better that way. That's all. Life is better that way. We'll be right back with more good friend after this quick break. So stick around. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Smart journalism, fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. 
Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I love the phrase, I was never an other. You know, I was an other because I was the, I mean, by the way, I mean, hardly, a, you know, dramatic other. Please, yeah. nobody, it was not a capital O. Yeah, <laughs> it was a little o, a little tiny o. Yeah. But you know, the fame of my parents right. followed me everywhere, right. and right. I did grow up with kind of a sense of wondering: Are these people interested? Because of course, that's what. So the reason I bring it up is: Were you the girl that had polio? Did that follow? Did that precede you in? conversations and friends and school. No, I, I never even realized it was a thing until college because everybody knew me. I mean, like the days that I would forget my crutches and I would leave them at home and my mother would get me to school and I'd go, I'm hanging out my crutches. And she would like just go, then wait here. And she just would let me out at the bottom of the steps and drive home to get them because she'd be annoyed with me. Like, like, like your mother would be annoyed if you forgot your lunch you know, or your shoes. And people would go, are you all right? I go, yeah, I can't just. And then my mother would sort of drive by and sort of throw them out the car window, you know, and drive home. It was the most normal thing. I mean, I, you know, I hated dodgeball day. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, but it was never, ever a thing. It, I did PE, but like when we played field hockey, I was the goalie and they put me in all the pads. and then two of the bigger girls carried me out because I couldn't walk in all those pads and they just would prop me up in the goalie thing. And then so that I wouldn't have to actually do anything, I would dig holes with my hockey stick so that if the girls were running toward me, they'd fall down. They'd like, twist their ankle before they got to me. Cause I thought I'm not going to, what am I going to do? Defend a ball. I don't, I don't want to get hit in the head with a hockey puck. So that's what I would do, but it was never, it, that's all it was. It was just like the, because when I had to do special gym during the, like when there was, I don't know, track days, it was me, the pregnant girls and the girls with mono and the girls with nose jobs. And we would just play sorry. The, we'd play board games. That was special gym. But otherwise I was in regular gym. And your early friendships? Um, I still am friends with my friend, my best friend since nursery school, Janie, Janie Darling Holland. I'm still friends with her. Um her middle uh, name is Darling? Her last name was Darling. Okay, like, Darling. Like, Darling. Darling. And, but for her, for me, it was always, she was the family in Peter Pan, the Darling family. Um, but it was, you know, I still have those friends. I mean, although I went to my high school reunion and I thought, well, this is the last time. I mean, God bless them. But ooh, I, but anyway, I'm glad. Trenton's a good place to be from. But I'm friendly. I, if I had friends, I had friends. Have you had relationships that you've had to walk away from political because of politics? Not close friends. Um, there's there was one guy again from 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 my high school days who would post vitriol, and I just said I don't need this on my Facebook. But there's one person who a Weight Watchers leader of mine, <laughs> former, and I have actually had joined discussions. Where I don't agree, but I, or, or, which she'll call me and she'll say, that was really rude. And, I, and then I write, you're right. I mean, it made me think. She's made me think. So, but isn't that what friends, yes. I mean, shouldn't friends make us think? I, I think, I guess I'm, there's an E.L. Doctorow quote. It's not a, specifically about friendship, but it says, and I'm going to, you know, butcher it. So please, uh, this is, I'm not reading this, I'm remembering it or misremembering it, which is, I guess, the word we yeah. use when we say things we regret, no, or no, misremembered, no, no. whatever. You just say wrong, that's all. 
Uh, yes. Um, and the quote is, when things go unexamined for a long enough time, certain things happen. They become mythological. They become very, very powerful. They create conformity and they intimidate. And to me, that's where the calcified um, uh, mind thought uh, opinions yeah. uh, went. And we couldn't have conversations. We can't, or it was very difficult. Um, so to me, the whole idea is to be able to go, okay, I am. I want to hear. I want right. to, as you said, I, I I would like to hear, even if I agree or disagree. And I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna. I'm not trying to be in the center here, so that listeners who are politically different or think politically right. different than I think or you think will turn this off because all of a sudden we are denouncing their ideas. That's not the case. I, I, I am very close to some people who have very different political ideas right. than I do. And I never knew. I mean, until recently, you never knew how people felt because you didn't talk about it. So if, if they were a friend before, they're going to be a friend after, you know, and if it, it, as long as there's respect and as long as we listen, you know, as long as I can say, well, wait, explain it to me, you know, then I can. Then that's all I can do. And that maintains a friendship. That's fine. What do you take to your friends? Like you're married. Yes. And you have children's. I do have. A, I have a child and I have a stepdaughter. Yes. Um. So how how much do you take to your friends? Like in the I guess the, you know, pie chart of friendship. It's the first I, time I've said the word pie chart of friendship, chart, but right. in the I pie chart of that. friendship, how much do you rely on your friends? I have a best friend who I talk to, my friend Maris, who I talk to every day um, and with texting, it's become easier. Do I see her a lot? Not really. I mean, she it's not like she lives far away, especially with COVID, but you know, she's, she's a professional. She has a life. She's a therapist. I have a life, but we... There, we can just be, we can tell each other the silliest things, but we can also, I, I can also talk about things that I feel shame about, or I can, what I also love about friends is that you get to go, you say, I need to talk. And then whoever needs to go first, and you can either have parallel conversations or you can say, I need advice and I need help. And so those are two those are both things that I can get from friends. And, and there are friends that I can say, no, no, I don't want advice now. I just need to tell you this so that you know where I am and so that I get it out and I can hear, because I don't always know what I'm thinking until I say it or till I, you know, put it in words, get it out of my yeah. head and into my mouth. And if I can do that with a friend, then that's, then they're my friend. If I, if we can talk about funny stuff, talk about real stuff, Sometimes just talk and sometimes just listen. Wow. Well, there's my poll quote. Thank you. Um, <laughs> from the mouth of a writer. Um, I mean, that's a perfectly articulated the the combo of needs and the filters that somehow our close, close friends have in an instant can shift from listening to advice giving to talking at the same time to parallel conversations. Um, I, I have some friends who can't not say how it relates to them. Right. Like whatever I say, right. the first words out of their mouths are, well, you know, I right. had this. Right. When I did this, that happened to me. And I, I understand the need in a way of saying, oh, me too, me too, in a way for them to try to say to me uh, that I am the, I am you too, but it's in a way, it feels like they haven't listened to me. 
that that their need to immediately affirm what I'm saying in their own experience has somehow. Um, I, I I'm not asking if they've. It's not. I didn't ask. Right. Have right. you ever had that experience? Right. right. It. I sometimes just need to say something. Yes. And not have it editorialized, and not have it um, co-opted. You don't want it co-opted. I don't. Right. I just want to be able to say my truth. There's an old Hollywood joke. I will tell it very quickly. Oh, please tell us a Hollywood joke. There's Dennis. an old Hollywood joke. There was a, a but it's a, it's allegedly a true story. There was a manager named Abby Greshler who, who looked like he had been embalmed 30 years before he was born. I mean, he just was not. So apparently he had a poker game at Hillcrest Country Club. Uh, every week and he and and he showed up at the game one day and one of the poker players said I don't know if I can play today um my my wife just uh, filed for divorce and the other one said you know what's funny because I don't think I can play poker today because my son was in a terrible terrible car accident and we just don't know if he's going to make it and the other one said oh god you know and I don't know if I can play because my best friend and business partner ran off with every penny I have. And allegedly Abby Greshler said, yeah, well, did you hear what happened to me today? David Jansen died. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. You know, it's like, yes, there, there is a bit of the filling the shoebox with stuff. And sometimes I feel that I need something. I need you to hold it. I need you to hold this moment that I'm sharing with you without any additional connect the dot to it. I found that I even say, because I have that too, and when I say, here's what I want from the following, you to say, oh, you poor thing, and then move on. I ju- That's what I need. I need, mm-hmm. oh, you poor thing. Oh, my God, that must be horrible. That's mm-hmm. it. And, mm-hmm. and and then we'll move. And, and I do that to myself. You know, I give myself whenever there's something terrible that's happened. I give myself 24 hours to wallow where I beat my chest and scream at the sky. Why me? God, why me? And then I go, OK. And then I move on. But I need to wallow. And if I'm wallowing with a friend, then that's all I want is, oh, you. And now I just ask for it. Well, and that's I think that's maturity. I think that comes with um uh, knowing what we want. I, I didn't right. know, you know, I, I have this, um, I have a philosophy that many people don't know what they want. Oh, it's not philosophy. It's a, it's an observation. I think yeah. there are a lot of people, maybe people listening who don't know what they want, right. who right. haven't really found out who they are and whatever age there are people in my age who can say that to me. And then there are very young people I guess young people listen to podcasts. Yeah, so perhaps there's do. a younger type person here. Oh, there's a new demo for you. In case there's a younger person here. But I believe uh, life, I look at life as the game of guess who, which is you find out sort of what you don't want. And by finding out what you don't want, you find out what you want. So instead of being able to go like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. I go, Okay. Um, do you want to live in an apartment? No. Okay. And then you start flipping down. So maybe you don't want to live in a big city. No. Okay. Big city out. And before you know it, what is left like the, I guess, Parker brothers game, guess who, or it's somebody's game, whoever the game maker is, I'm sorry, but I've just given you a plug. So whatever. Um, you end up in the game of guess who you have a character that the other person is playing and you have to guess who it is. And so you ask questions like, do they wear glasses? Do they wear a hat? Are they a man or a woman? Right. Um, And as you flip down the affirmatives or negatives, so no, they don't wear a hat. You flip everybody down wearing a hat. By the end of it, you have, it has emerged out of this sea of people who the person is. And I think you can find that about yourself the same way. And it, it really does take away the onus, I think, off of feeling like you have to know who you are. 
And friends can help us do that. It's a really wonderful sounding board to say, well, what don't you want? Right. And you try it and you try. I've tried stuff and I thought, well, this has gotten me this far. This has been great. But now I want to try something else. This, you know, I've loved it. I mastered it. And now I want to move on to the next thing, you know, and and to have a friend give you permission and to say, great. Yeah, because you haven't sounded happy in the last three months of that job or that relationship. That's a nice that's a nice friendship. That's a good that's listening to a good friend who doesn't tell you right away, who doesn't tell you while you're in it. You hate your job. Why don't you just quit? Who listens to you? And then when you say, I think I hate my job, they go, yeah, I think you do too. You know, that's just the difference. But it's, I don't say that as much with my romantic partner. You know, I really do rely on my mostly in this case for me, female friends. I do have a couple dudes who I'm friends with. Um, And, you know, we certainly talk to each other often. I also have found, and although it, it didn't happen with us because we, we were friends out of this sort of commonality of place, which gave us a sort of nest. We were nested together. And our friendship grew and broadened from that nesting so that when we left that nest, both of us, we had that relationship. But I do feel with friendships that I, I, I go there for that specific thing with my friends, my girlfriends. I, I, I have to work out my conflicts, Mm -hmm. um, my betrayals, my my personal dramas. But I do think I think hard times, you know, the song hard times come again no more. This show was born out of hard times. This show was born out of watching friends struggle. And showing up for each other and. It really was born from that. This this whole conversation was born out of being there for friends. What was your experience with the isolation and the COVID of it all, um, vis-a-vis your friendships and and what was what happened? Like what did you see? What was your observation? You're a writer, a wonderful writer. What was your observation of friendships and people during that? I, I missed. A hug. I, I, I did say to a friend, an 86 year old friend of mine, who I see at the farmer's market and and we both have gone two weeks since our last since our second vaccine. And I said to her, can I please have a hug? Because I missed that. But I kept up with all my friends. I'm, I missed I missed just going out and sitting at, at Kings Road coffee shop and and just blabbering about what happened in the day. I pick up the phone. I I get pick up you know the tat and text them. I really I needed my friends, and it's funny because I, it has been hard. This has been a hard COVID. My husband had some major problems, but I was also having some physical problems. You know, it's funny you you get a disease, and then all these years later, it's sort sort of it's like don't get it, like just don't get polio, because um, eventually it'll bite you in the ass. And so I've started falling apart a little bit. And two days ago, and, I, and I've been fe- and I've been dealing with it, but two days ago, my best friend was at the orthopedist where I go and she goes to a different doctor there and she saw my doctor and she introduced herself. And she said, well, are, are, you know, you're Janice Hirsch's doctor and she loves you. And he just, and he said, I, I can't even re- say it because I feel so, arrogant but I mean he just went she's a, she's a superstar she's a warrior she's my hero she's the strongest woman I know and and he meant it physically I know because I do work but just hearing that from a friend it like it it, it was like get going my it was like the quarantine went into went to a chiropractor and finally got adjusted and all the bones cracked and fit into place then and I went okay that's the best takeaway. That's my takeaway. And that, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I'm stronger. 
and that somebody else saw it, saw my hard work. I mean, I'm, I'm tearing up now. It just meant the world. And, and hearing my best friend tell me that. So, yeah, I, I, it was hard not seeing people. It was hard not hugging people. But it, I, I would have died if I didn't keep in touch. We'll be right back with more Good Friend after this quick break. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I want to go back to high school. And high school for many people was challenging. You know, it's the, it's the, <laughs> it's, it's the gender splitting time. It's the, um, you know, our obsessions with what we look like and, you know, the the beginnings of our sexual awakenings and um, the haves and have nots, the Bettys and Veronicas of yeah. the world as yeah. for for the uninitiated. I always everyone assumed I was a Veronica because, you know, I was the daughter of famous people and I, uh, you know, had some supposed wealth and privilege not by the way, supposed wealth and privilege. Sorry, everyone in this day today, I had wealth and privilege. I didn't feel like it. I lived on a dirt road with, you know, great Danes and a golf cart. So it did not feel to me, um, you know, big black widow spiders in the, in the road. I, I, (laughs) tarantulas crawling over my foot at breakfast. I mean, this is, it was not, um, a more fancy Instagram life. It was a right. fairly country life, but I, I did have um, a privilege, but I always just wanted to be Betty, right. just a right. regular girl, just a regular girl with regular parents and a regular little house and stuff. But I guess my point is simply those friendships and when everyone is exploring the same thing at the same time and everyone is judging themselves against each other. You know, in recovery, we say compare and despair. You compare <laughs> yourself to someone else, you're going to be despairing that same second. Yeah. Um, I, I sat in bed uh, the other night and watched. Uh, Chris was out of town and I found myself sitting, you know, kind of for the first time in the day, not moving. I, right. I'm, I'm a doer, everybody. Yes, you are. I like to, I like to do. <laughs> You and always I was are huffing and puffing in the conversation because you're out walking a hill. I'm walking yes. or I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm that girl. I mean, yes. if I think, I think people 
by this point kind of have figured that out. I think they know. I'm a little bit of a doer. Yeah. Um, but I was watching, I was, I don't know how I got on reels, whatever that is. It's in an Instagram thing where it's like little movies. Yeah. And first of all, there are so many videos of fabulous dancers. There's so many videos of fabulous uh, talents. Um, if you go on Instagram and follow photographers, I'm a photographer. It's nothing but brilliant. It, was, it reminded me how brilliant the world is and how wonderful it is that there are these portals to now see people's brilliance. But it also made me, um, again, compare and despair. I, I kind of was like, oh, I don't know. And so I think that whole idea of comparing yourself to others is a big component of all of our developments and friends in particularly in high school. And your experience, which is so interesting to me, a woman who, a young woman with polio, um, that wasn't a takeaway for you that that othering no. that the quote disease right. or the, right. or the, the physical, the crutches. Experiment, yeah. 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 And that wasn't your experience. No, my experience was that I was, um, you know, I had zits and then, <gasps> and I know the horror and the fact that, you know, I had a, I wasn't obese, but the only time my mother, and she didn't really hit me, but she sort of slapped me was when I couldn't fit into a size 16 kilt in the young New Yorker shop at Lord and Taylor. And she was going, ee, ee, and then boom, and then took me out for a cheesesteak because she felt bad. So there was no mixed message. But it was it was always about that. It was always about normal teenage girl stuff, you know, or the fact that I, you know, like I, my seat in junior, junior year English was I had to drag my desk into the hallway because I was a little disruptive in class. So I'd have to raise my hand and sort of peer around the doorway and just say, could I, I know that answer about Moby Dick, you know, that kind of thing. So I, but that was, that's who I was. It was never, even the times, because in, in elementary school and in junior high school, I had surgery. So I was out for a while, but it was never about, you know, like when I came back, I went, oh, there are a lot of stairs. But then other than that, somebody, well, somebody would get to, um, I could assign someone to carry my books in elementary school down the stairs. And then in high school, I just kept one book at home, one of the textbooks, and then I kept one in the teacher's cabinet or on her desk so that I would just take it. So, you know, it was dealt with. Yeah, no, it was never an issue. So before I lose you, yeah. not lose you, not before, lose I, before I let you go so that I can go do more doing, because yes. you know I'm a doer. I know you do. Um, let's just talk about your work for a minute. And there was... <laughs> Um, and this has this has, you know, it has to do with friendship. Obviously, uh, we work with people. We become uh, have you made friends in your you know writers rooms for the uninitiated listener uh, are a particular animal uh, in comedy. They're, a, a, you know, it's a pecking order. It's a little a bit like a water trough in the jungle and all of the different animals coming to that same water trough you know, vying for the water. Yeah. Um, in this case, it's for the jokes, for the comedy. Um, and you recently, or in the last five years or so, had a situation being a woman in the writer's room and how that was affected. So this is kind of wanting the listeners to be able to hear your story of that particular incident. Okay, yeah. But more than that, did around that incident, did you have friends who supported you during it? I'd say on 95% of the shows, you because there were never a lot of women. I mean, on, on Murphy Brown, there were a lot of women, but at certain shows, and, and now it's much different. But back when I was starting, um, but I always made at least one friend. And I've maintained those, I mean, I'm, and I'm friendly with everybody else, but, but I make a woman friend. Because you need somebody to just be able to go in the ladies' room and cry with. So I've maintained those women friendships. And I've, I've made a lot of great guy friends through that. Um, there was only one show where I didn't really have a friend. 
and that felt bad. That was a that was a bad experience, uh, and it was just the nature of the beast, who the people were on the show, and whatever. I don't know, but whatever. I was on yeah when I was on Gary Shandling's show. Um, I was the only woman in the room, and uh, one day it, it it was not a welcoming group. It was a very much comics are different than writers in the way that they really want to fight to get on. And it's a, it's a much more competitive, you know, I killed in comedy and that's, you know, it's, it's more, more brutal. And uh, I was pitching to Gary. I was sitting across the desk from Gary and then a couple guys walked in behind me because God forbid I should be able to talk to the boss without everybody else being in there. And then I felt a tap, tap, tap on my shoulder and I turned and there was a flaccid penis on my shoulder, you know, which basically, I guess if you, I guess if you plucked a parrot, that's what it would look like. And then, and then rendered it, put it in a coma. That's what it would look like. Or, but it was just like, you go, the first line is that looks like a, that looks like a penis only smaller because you try to make a joke. And then you just think I'm going to burn this blouse. I'm going to, I can't wait to set this blouse on fire. And the guys laughed and laughed. It was not sexual. This, this guy was not coming on to me. No, no. He, he was, it was, he did it for a laugh. And did any of your friend, were any of the people in that group of people that you were working with, did you feel any of them were friends with you? They and weren't, they didn't know that. that well, I wrote about it um, at the beginning of Me Too. I, I wrote about it in the Hollywood Reporter. and. Most of the guys wrote me or called me and said, that wasn't me, was it? If I had known, I wouldn't. I, it was so unconscious. They were all there, but they mm. all, but they, they just went, I would never do that. And even the, the woman who, who figured out and sussed out that it was her father. And I said, to, she said, oh my God, I can't believe it. And I said, nice people do really stupid things sometimes. I'm sure I have heard people don't worry. It, it happened. I'm not saying your father's not a good guy. I'm just saying he did a stupid thing, but it did make everybody, the guys all laugh. So give him a point for that. You know, but I could, I didn't want to think be, I can ever see a parrot again, by the way. I'm, no, I'm, okay. I'm, well, I'm, I'm but make sure now. they're clothed, make sure they're furry. Well, there are some wild feathers. parrots that fly around yes. where I live. Yes. And I think I'm going to be um, yeah, no. frightened now. Yes. Yes. You don't want them landing on your shoulder. <laughs> The only other thing I wanted to bring up was, so again, for people listening, another theme has uh, come up kind of over and over again, which is the separations in friendships. And it's, again, not out of big stories and, right. you know, strife and real struggle with each other and a break and a like severing of the friendship and then the making of the way back, which, of course, does happen. Um what I just remembered, because you're so funny, was, and I, we 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 can talk about it because it doesn't really matter because it didn't sell. So who oh. cares, right? So there was a situation, listener, where um, my husband's, my mother-in-law um, was um, very, you know, dying. She was near the end of her death, uh, her life. And um she passed away and Chris needed to handle those, you know, uh, family obligations of burial and cremation. And, and he called a number out of the telephone book and the person said, yes, of course, we handle all of thing. Come on over. And they gave he gave them an address and it was in Santa Monica. And Chris you know, wrote it down and went over to this address. And he, I remember he called me and said, I don't think this is the right place because it's a street. It's like a, you know, a, a suburban street. And he went up to the house and knocked on the door. And there was this young guy with a young woman and a baby on her hip. And it was, he was the um, mortician. She was the what was director, it, the funeral director? It, right. Yeah. He, he yeah. was the funeral director. She was the mortician. They were, it was a family business. And I remember Chris told me this and I, as I am a doer and an idea 
girl. Like it popped into my head like a pop. Oh, that's a TV show. And I swear to the listener, I went, oh my God, that's a TV show. I need to call Janice. <laughs> and I called you and I told you that story. And in we hadn't talked in five years. Yeah. We hadn't talked in 10 years. Yeah. And it was like, boom. And we went off and we created a show called Family Business about a young family who uh, were going to take over the family mortician business as a sitcom. And we took it out um, and tried to sell it, which is what people do. And we didn't get to sell it. Um, but that experience of having not spoken to each other in a long time and then having this creative uh, energy together um, was breathtaking. It was the best writing experience of my life. Every day after we would talk and we would talk out the story and you tell me what you thought about during the night and I tell you. And then I went to every day the script got better. Yeah. It got funnier and smarter and deeper and better. And I have never had an experience like that. And I will always be grateful for that one. That, well, I mean, it was a hard part. CBS had bought it and then didn't choose to make it. But boy, was that a great, that was the best, it was the best writing experience of my life. Yeah. Without question. Well, um, and it came out of an old friendship. It came out of a mutual admiration for each other. It came out of respect for each other. You know, I, as you know, married a funny guy. I know a few funny people. And when that idea popped, like, um, um, what is that gum that explodes in your mouth? <laughs> You know, oh, yeah, it's that like squirt that, gum. Yeah, right. Squirt gum, which right. is like, yeah, yeah right. Uh, there's another name yeah. for yeah, it, there is which I'm name. not going to tell you no, on no. iHeartRadio just because it would be inappropriate. No. But right. you know what? We all know what I'm saying. Yes. Um, it, when that occurred, the person that popped in my mind with it was you. And you are a good friend. You're a good old friend. And I am grateful that you came here today to talk to me. I love you. And I am grateful for your friendship. And I know you're there. And I don't need to know you're here right in front of my face. I just need, I know that you're there. And if I need you, you're there. And I just, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I couldn't love you more if you were made, uh, if you were made of dark chocolate and only two Weight Watchers points. That's what I'll say. And I'm going to end with, I love you because I know you're there and I don't need you here. And that to me is the great gift that you gave me today. Thank you. So stay safe, everyone. And um, God bless you all. Bye. Good friend is produced by Dylan Fagan and is a production of iHeartRadio. Our theme song, Good Friend, is written, produced, and performed by Emily King. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. No one likes to talk about money. Am I saving enough? Can I buy a house? Am I paying too much in taxes? Will I be able to retire? What if you could unlock insights about your finances in less than five minutes with a clear picture of where you stand today and where your money can work harder? Now you can. Visit facet.com to take the free quiz and get your financial wellness score today. 
That's F-A-C-E-T dot com. This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.